This is The Connection, a Dirty Free Hub podcast connecting gravel cyclists to where they ride through short stories about culture, history, people, places, and lands. This podcast is supported in part by a grant from the Bend Cultural Tourism Fund. When looking out into the scenic foothills off of the Central Oregon Cascades, you may notice a large portion of land which happens to be the Skyline Forest. This 33,000-acre land is more than scenic foothills and actually not public land. I'm Kira Corbett, and today we have Ben Gordon, the Executive Director of Central Oregon Land Watch, discussing with us about the Skyline Forest and what we can do to get involved as a community. So Ben, thank you so much for joining us today. We're really glad to have you. It's my pleasure. Uh, It's an honor to be with you. I'm curious if you could explain to us what the Skyline Forest is and exactly where it's at. Sure. Um, I'll start with location. We think of it as both Bend and Sisters backyard. So it is a 33,000 acre private timber property that is sort of the space on the map between those towns and the, at this time of year, snow-covered Cascade Mountains. For listeners, by comparison, that is 50% bigger than the footprint of the city of Bend. So is the Skyline Forest, is that technically public land? It isn't. It's private land. It's been privately held for a long time. There's an interesting backstory here where it was federal land until some point. I'm not certain on the date. I think it may have been back in the 80s. There were some land exchanges and consolidations. And so it was sold, I believe, to the Crown Pacific Timber Company. And it's since been held by several other private owners. Currently, it's owned by the Shanda Corporation and has been for a little more than 10 years. Oh, wow. Even though it's not public land, are there a lot of areas that people can use recreationally? The current owner generously allows for public access onto the property, but it's kind of a use it at your own risk arrangements. And I'm excited to talk to you a little bit today about how, given that it's on the open market for sale, that could change. And so one of the things that Landwatch is hopeful for is that whoever ends up buying or taking ownership of the property would be an entity that is very supportive of continuing to allow for public access and better still enhancing those rec amenities that would be accessed. Kind of speaking on that, what are some of the changes that the Central Oregon Land Watch is looking into doing around this area? Well, for starters, it's a a quiet neighbor at this point, uh, and we hope to keep it that way. It is on the open market for sale, and the listing price is $127 million. That's a significant sum, especially for a property that for folks who are familiar with Oregon's land use system, is zoned, it's called F1, and it is to be managed for the forest values of the property. And so it's not prioritized for urban or suburban development. So while it will allow for some limited amount of housing, that's not really the intended purpose. The land use system, for anybody who's not familiar with it, is a fascinating piece of Oregon history. And it's also a critical tool these days as Oregon grapples with how to accommodate the rapid growth we're experiencing. Oregon's land use system 50 years ago looked at balancing the needs of today and the needs of the future and assigned land designations to private land across the state, prioritizing different either natural resource or urban uses, for example. There are a number of other prioritized uses as well, but this Skyline Forest happens to be one that was recognized as being a timber property. And so when we think about it as a quiet neighbor and hoping to keep it that way, one of the biggest potential threats would be a developer wanting to buy the property, essentially what they would be allowed to do. And while not every 240 acres would be seen the same way, 
approximately one home for every 240 acres in a zone designated as intact forest, such as this property. So that would be kind of a worst case scenario. And better than that, we're hopeful that the community can rally around a vision to permanently protect the property as public land. And there will be an opportunity forthcoming whereby the Deschutes Land Trust and Landwatch are going to convene. If we're successful, we can get to community vision for what we want this property to become. And one of the things that we know is there's a strong recreational component that could be made much stronger if, depending on who manages it and if we prioritized developing recreation amenity out there so that it you know, really lived up to its potential because it is 33,000 acres, a significant piece of land as we grow. And it's a place that if we can ensure the conservation of it, we know that we won't push into our forest where critical wildlife habitat is, where the threat of kind of overlapping with the forest, where there's a natural fire regime there. So we keep the community safe from fire as we do that as well. Wow, that's that's wild. You were mentioning development as a threat. Are there other proposed threats that you see in this area? I think that's, you know, that's probably the biggest one, but obviously fire. There have been five fairly significant fires that have burned on and around this property in the last 20 or 30 years. That's something that with climate change, it's becoming more prevalent. So I think both, you know, the property burning would be a threat, but fire starting on the property and moving into our cities and towns, Bend and Sisters and some of the folks who are living on that interface between the forest and those cities and towns, I would say that's a significant risk uh, to our community. Right. And then as the climate changes and an increased number of houses are built around central Oregon, there's also threats to wildlife populations. Um, Skyline Forest provides critical deer winter range. And so the roads out there, the 4606 road, which there's been a contentious discussion about who owns and is allowed to decide whether road is opened or closed. That's one of them that is hotly contested right now. But even when it isn't being closed by nearby neighbors, the Forest Service would close it during the winter to give the deer and elk kind of safe refuge. So that's an important piece that we want to both retain and bolster. I'd imagine something like that, if purchased, would not be as protected with development then. You know, it really depends on the purchaser, right? So to their credit, I would say that the Shanda Corporation has been a very good manager of the property. And they have, you know, they've been that quiet neighbor I mentioned before that we celebrate them for, you know, they've done a lot of replanting of the forest after some of the recent fires. Those fires were pretty significant, you know, yeah, 10,000 acres sort of fires and uh, planted uh, Chris Johnson, who's property manager. So they've planted about a million trees out there. So they're doing what they can to be a good steward of the land. The risk would be them selling it to an entity that is less inclined to prioritize stewardship of the property. And then all those other resource values I mentioned would be degraded. Yeah, in such a big area too. It is. Yeah, and the surrounding areas, I think a lot of folks make an assumption because when you're in Bend and you're on the west side of town and you look up at the Cascades, this is kind of that like downy transition zone of forested hills before you head up into the true mountains. And I think people make an assumption that it's just all one big block of public land, which obviously this being a significant portion of it as private land, it's just not the case, but we, we love for it to be true. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, it's sometimes you forget about those types of things looking out into the mountains. Mm-hmm. So as cyclists, especially with all the gravel roads in the area, are there things that we should be aware of and how could we get involved with preserving this specific area? Sure. Yeah, I mentioned before there will be a community process. And so the process is going to be designed to be as kind of robust and inclusive as it can be, but we also recognize that At a certain point, 
if the group gets too big, you start to see diminishing returns for you know the quality of the conversation we're able to have. So there will be these concurrent processes. One is kind of a convened stakeholder process, but alongside that, there will be an invitation that goes out to the entire community to sort of weigh in and talk about the values that are most important to retain on this property. So kind of setting the stage for what comes next. And we hope that what comes next is community really rallying to say, this is a property either we've known about for a long time and care about, or we weren't aware that it's private land and up for sale. What can we do about that? I think as a community, there will probably be an opportunity for some sort of community purchase acquisition. Sometimes that looks like a ballot initiative where it's an increase in property taxes. But in order to do anything like that, you know, and find permanent steward, whether that's the Forest Service or Ben Parks and Rec or the Deschutes Land Trust or some entity yet to be defined, there's an opportunity, I think, for the whole community to come together and say, this is important enough to us as a community. We need to do everything we can to make sure that this place is permanently protected. So I would say for now, nothing to do at the moment other than take a look at Landwatch's website, which is cow.org. And also on our website, we have a landing page right now that invites folks to share their contact information. We'll do our best to keep people updated as there are opportunities to get involved in this process. And as cyclists, well, during the pandemic, this property was sort of inundated with increased visitation. The Shannon Corporation, as well as some of the nearby neighbors, were concerned that people were looking for those close-in outlets to, to get out and explore. And so this area saw a pretty significant uptick in visitation, visitor numbers, and so if you are out there, there is that 4606 road closure. But if you find yourself out there enjoying the day, like just please be a respectful user of that land and recognize that that access we now enjoy is not guaranteed because it is private land. So, you know, be a respectful user, share this podcast with others, make sure that people, especially in the Central Oregon communities are made aware of this, you know, both the fact it's not public land and the opportunity to make it public land, hopefully, if we can come together as a community. Ben, thank you so much. This was wonderful. I was particularly really interested in this one just because there is this big area of land. And I think it's really important for people to be able to kind of learn about it. For our listeners here, just know that you're going to start seeing kind of an increased presence and communication about Skyline Forest and pay attention to that because this is sort of a once in a lifetime opportunity for our community to do something for our future. If we if we miss this opportunity, we will rue the day. And if we take full advantage of it, we'll look back and say that was one of the best decisions this community ever made. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on today. Dirty Free Hub is a nonprofit organization fueled by your generous contributions. Find us at dirtyfreehub.org.